welcome to the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, aka The Whip Show. Your co-hosts, Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple and Devastating Daryl Pace, each and every week will bring in some of the top pro wrestlers from around the world. I'm talking WWE, WCW, Impact Wrestling, NWA, and more. So sit back, get your favorite drink, and listen to some great stories told by those amazing and sometimes crazy pro wrestling superstars. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, a.k.a. The Whip Show. You know what it is. I am Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple, and I am here with my partner. Devastating Daryl Pace here at the Command Center, man. Devastating Daryl Pace. Another edition, another episode, and we got a special bonus edition today, man. Because, Daryl, we've talked to pro wrestlers. We've talked to referees. We've talked to announcers. But they're all got one thing in common. They're wrestling heroes that put the show together. So today we got a guy that works on the other side of bringing us these great wrestling television programs. Can you give it up for former production assistant, for the World Wrestling Entertainment, Mr. Quincy Tucker. What's going on, man? What is going on, everybody? I mean, since I'm here and YouTube got nicknames, I feel like it's only right that I have a wrestling name. So, I mean, should I give myself a name or are YouTube going to give me a name? How are we going to do right this? Here, uh, coming to the stage, we have Quincy Motown Stump. Boom. I, I don't think, think that's the first that. time you did that, man. I don't think you came up with that on the fly. Well, I mean, when you work for WWE, you do literal stuff like that all the time, just working within the company. Like, you literally walk up the hallway, and somebody's going to hit you with one of those, and it's on you whether or not you want to sell it or not. You can either keep walking like, eh, I'm not going to do it to this guy, or you can fall to the ground, spaz all on the floor. So that stuff is regular there. <laughs> nice. And I'm glad you talked about that. And I'm going to tell a quick backstory of this young man. I don't even know how I ended up uh, being a mark and finding him on Facebook, but I did somehow, some way, a while ago. Come to find out the young man is from Detroit, and he's actually cousins with my homeboy, Jerome, from back here. He calls himself J. Rome Campbell, but he's yeah. back here, man. So it's funny how the world is such a big place, but such a small place, man. But I didn't even know that. That's cool. I love that. Uh, okay, so for me, like, it's weird. So, you know, we all grew up being, like, fans of wrestling. You know, we all watched it. And I'm 27 years old, so my golden era is, like, Stone Cold, The Rock. Like, the era to be into wrestling, you know. And oddly enough, I came up on a job. So this is actually a cool story, too. So I moved. So I'm from Detroit, like you all know. And then I moved to Connecticut for an internship for the Maury Show, right? This is 2015. And I moved to Connecticut with no place to stay. It's me, my moms, and my step-pops trying to find me an apartment out there. And the first day we get out there, no luck. So we go back to the hotel. I just graduated college. So I'm like, I'm about to go to the bar, enjoy myself a drink because I'm celebrating. I'm out here about to move away from the city, go all by myself. 
and be in this brand new place. So I'm at the bar by myself and I look to the right of me and it's five white dudes, all adult adults. Cause I'm like 22 at this point, 23. It's five white dudes at the bar, all like super grown, super grown man, 40, 50 year old dudes. And they all chilling, having a gay old time. And four of them leave. And one of them ends up staying. Mind you, I'm sitting at the bar, they all just laughing and giggling. And then after all them leave, one guy comes sit literally right next to me and sparks up a conversation. Turns out he's interviewing at WWE for a human resources position. And we're both just, you know, out in Connecticut at that point trying to find a job, you know? So I give him my information. Six months down the line when I'm looking for a new job after I didn't want to work at the Morris Show no more, um, I posted on LinkedIn, hey, does anybody got any information about a job? And sure enough, he's the reason I ended up working at WWE because he ended up working out there, moving out there. And because I had that little bit of information, he didn't want to end up getting me the job there as a production assistant. Can you shout out his name or you can't say it? I can say his name, Blake Billstead. Blake Billstead, he was the man. Like, we had like a real cool conversation. He was a real good dude too. Like, and it was crazy because I got the job and I had looked him up again on LinkedIn. I'm like, hey, I'm about to be working at WWE. I want to know if you end up getting a job. And he's like, I'm the reason you got the job. Like, I put I put your resume in through because I seen you made that post on LinkedIn. So Blake Billstead, he's the man. Love him to death for that. So dopest, man. Now, with that being said, so you finally get this job in WWE. Because like I said, a lot of fans don't even realize the other side. Mm-hmm. They know The Rock versus Stone Cold, Triple mm-hmm. H versus Mankind. But mm-hmm. they don't know what you guys do to try to produce a great show. Like, like I said, I got this documentary back here of The yeah. Undertaker. Yeah. They don't understand that. Now, when you go in, you first sign with the WWE as far as working there, were you nervous? Were you scared to meet Vince? Did you think all the wrestlers was just going to come clothesline you? What did you think, man? <laughs> Oddly enough, you kind of do have this warped idea of kind of like what the place is going to be. Like, am I just going to be walking up the hallway and get drop kicked? And then that's just, you know, that's just the day in the job there, you know? Or is it going to be like six foot dudes walking around as like regular guys at the desk? But no, it all is weird. Like, not weird, but all of the people that work behind the scenes are like me and you, like me, you, Daryl. They're just regular guys who grew up being fans of the company, you know? So we're all like regular people. So it's not, for me, I wasn't nervous, but that's kind of the type of guy I was. I was excited to see all of the behind the scenes stuff that, you know, you never really get to see. Like you learn so much being working within the company that unless you work there or know somebody on the inside, you wouldn't know half of the stuff that goes into making that documentary back there or all of the other home videos and DVDs that they go into making. Just the database alone on how they get like the JBL and Undertaker footage right there. Like it's a specific thing they go through just to get it. And like learning all of that was a really interesting take on media in itself. Uh, it's crazy. You're coming out of college, right? So you, you just graduated. You already landed a job. You said with Maury Povich, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. landed a job with Maury. And then your second job is WWE. So just so we, we can get the build up, right? What's the kind of stuff you did for Maury? And then we're going to lead into, you know, what you started doing for WWE. All right. So as when I worked at the Maury show, so it started off as an internship was supposed to be for the summertime, right? And before the summer was even over, they ended up offering me the job probably like a month before the internship was over. So I'm not trying to go back to Detroit. I just graduated. Yeah, I'm going to take that job offer, right? So as an intern for the Maury show, working in the summertime, which they don't shoot during the summertime, they do summer hiatus, kind of like school. So they only shoot from like August 
up until like May or April, and then they take the summer off. So when I was working as a summer intern for them, our job was to pretty much take the stories for the Maury show. So like that number that they put at the end of the Maury show, hey, call this number if you want to ask your baby daddy if he's the actual baby daddy. So as interns, we was the ones taking all of those crazy calls. And when I tell you they was crazy, you would not believe some of the stuff people will call you about. And then they're calling crying. They're calling, I just need to talk to Maury Pope so he can help me with my relationship. It was hilarious, right? And then I get hired. And as a hired production assistant, uh, I was just a driver. So my job was to drive the guests to and from the studio, to and from hair and makeup, to and from the airport, just making sure that they were straight and getting to the studio on time so that they can do their shoot and then out of the studio on time and back to the airport. Because a lot of the times it is a hostile environment because everybody's all buddy-buddy beforehand, but the Maury Show is real. And when I got hired, I got hired to work for the Maury Show, Jerry Springer, and Steve Wilkos and Crazy Talk because they all shoot off the same stage. So I wasn't just driving for the Maury Show. You get to drive for all of the shows. But because uh, because of the real aspects and some of the shows, the real elements, after the show, a lot of the times you got to drive around in separate cars because that woman wants to fight that guy. That guy wants to beat up old girl, like, or old man could have, oh, dude, on the Steve Wilco show was probably the worst person ever. So he has to be separated from everybody because nobody likes that guy at that point. So that job in itself was really, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. A lot of young people too. Everybody there was like 22, 23, some people 18 years old, like real young crowd. A lot different from WWE for sure. So you're saying some of the stuff was a shoot? Uh, yeah, some of the stuff is a shoot. Some of the stuff's a shoot. Well, it's like reality television, you know? Uh, some of the stuff's real. Some of the stuff is, you know, I'm a producer. I want to make money. I need you to sell this the best way possible. So I don't care if you're the calmest person in the world. I don't need that off screen. I need on screen you to be the most turned up person you could possibly be. So yeah, that goes on for sure. But a lot of that, some of that stuff do be real. Like, now, Whip Dog, before we end, we're going to say whether or not you are the father. So we, we've got the results here. We're going to save this for the end of the show, Whip Dog. Oh, if you see my daughter, ain't no denying that, baby. <laughs> I am the father. That's my little twin right there. Congratulations, by the way, on your daughter, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> With that being said, also, um, I actually got to see you one time in Detroit. You were doing a raw show. You were running back and forth. You was able Man. to say what up, though, but you was moving. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. But I yeah, didn't. I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. But it's funny because um, back in my wrestling days, I actually had a couple uh, – I was an extra a couple times for WWE. And wow. I know myself, I, we had to be there at, like, 2 o'clock at that time and how intense it was backstage. Yeah. So I want to ask you, how intense was it for doing a raw show being a production assistant? What time did you have to be there? I mean, what yeah. all did you have to do during a day of Monday Night Raw? All right, so here's how the, here's how it works. So the production assistants, all they work for the company, have an opportunity to work on the show as a tape PA. Now, a tape PA job is to go to the shows the day before. So how it works is everybody has opportunity to work for the show, and then it's it's either it's either you make the decision or not whether you want to go to the show. So once you make the decision, all right, cool, I want to be the tape PA. They set it up because it's like an extra job to the job you regularly do. Because I worked at home video in DVDs, editing DVDs, helping out with the documentaries. And then it's an option or not, whether or not you want to go. So obviously I want to work the Raw show. Why not? It's, it's a dream come true. I get to actually say I worked at a Raw live event, right? So how they schedule it. Everything's probably like three or four months in advance as far as like knowing the schedule wise of like, all right, we know we're coming here, here, here. 
we're going to put you on this date for said time. So if the show is on Monday, you go up on a Sunday because they need everybody there the day before, even the trucks and all of that stuff. Like everybody's there the day before. And some people are setting up for, but for the most part, they don't really start setting up till the next day. So get there Sunday. All right. Monday is the next day. If it's, um, so Monday Night Raw ends at 11 o'clock and we're just going to go off Eastern time. So yeah, 11 o'clock. They want you there probably at, it was like 11. So usually about a 12, 13 hour shift because you get there at 11 the day prior. I mean, at 11 or 10 o'clock that morning. And then you probably wouldn't leave until like 12 that night. So when you first get there, obviously everybody's like setting up the ring and you get to see all of the wrestlers mingling around pretty much. And I don't want to obviously give too much away, you know, of the company reveal all of the background stuff that does go within everything. But for a lot of that day is pretty much setting up what's going to happen that night, figuring out, all right, well, if this is what we're going to do, we got to make sure it's good. We got to make sure this is down packed. All right, cool. We got a big spot. We got something exploding. We got to make sure that that's all good throughout the day. Everything is set up earlier, pretty much, just to make sure that by the time it's all done, because it's a live show. So at 8 o'clock, if everything isn't set up, then everybody's going around head scrambling. So one of the main things, too, that you do as a tape PA, as a matter of fact, is when they shoot the promos backstage, right? So obviously you got to wrangle the wrestlers, make sure everybody's here, here, so you can record this set spot. But like during that whole time, plus with scripts, if they're not on time, then it's one big fiasco because like I said, it's a live show. So things can get cut. That was a big problem with Enzo when he was working there. Some of the things are, right, we got to shoot this promo. We need you to come say this, talk, talk about Big Cass or talk about whoever it is you're going that night. He might be late or something along the lines of that. So sometimes it was a hassle depending on who the wrestler was. But nowadays, I feel like a lot of the wrestlers are, they're not egomaniacs. So they are, they are ready to work and they're all hustlers. So a lot of times you don't even have to deal with that. You know, they're all good and ready to work and do their job. So, but yeah, the biggest thing was wrangling everybody around. Y'all just heard an exclusive. So uh, when Enzo doing his interviews, he never says that part of the game. He don't say that part. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, man. Yeah, he was, Um, I mean, from what I hear, it did seem like he might have been a little bit of a diva. But, hey, I mean, Tom had ended up telling, and he was, like, the, one of the first ones to go when everybody was getting released at that time. For sure, for sure. Now, I also know, speaking of these home videos and these documentaries, I know you worked on that Kevin Owens doc, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, man. That was a lot of fun. Like, literally got to go out there, fly. No, we didn't even fly because Connecticut is, like, six hours away from Montreal. So it was me, my producer, um, Karen Bent, and my producer, Pete McKinney. Karen Bent produced a lot of the home videos between, like, the years of... The whole decade of 2010 to 2020, most of those home videos is his for sure. And even some before 2010. A lot of those guys has been working at WWE and like home video legacy or anything. Those guys have been there like 25 years. Like literally. One guy there has a department named after him. He's been there so long. Germ. Yeah. It's called just uh, the Germ Control because his last name is Germanakos, if I'm not mistaken. Really cool guy. He's awesome. But um, what was I saying? Lost my thought. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Owens. So we drove, we drove all the way to Montreal, us three. And when you get there, his mom is like 
obviously Montreal is a French speaking Canadian city. So his mom only speaks French. His dad actually speaks English. So we interviewed him. He's good enough to understand his mom. We interviewed her, but we didn't use much of it because she only speaks French and Kevin Owens interviewing him in his household was awesome. We ended up driving to Sami Zayn in his house. Now, mind you, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens both own houses in Montreal, but at the time, Sami Zayn was living in Florida because a lot of the wrestlers live in Florida because it's cheaper as far as taxes plus the NXT. That's where they came up at. So it's like, might as well just keep my house by the performance center and whatnot. Nobody wants to live in Connecticut. So no wrestler lives in Connecticut except like Vince and Triple H and all the employees. Other than that, no. So yeah, Sammy's house was cool. You could tell nobody had been living there for a while too because it was super clean, damn near dusty to the fact that nobody had been there. It was him and his girlfriend there that day, which was really nice. And then the Kevin Owens interview we did at his parents' house, which was like in the country of Montreal, like cows and all of that stuff you got to drive by just to get to his parents' house, real rural. But it was the house he grew up in because you could see the farmhouse in the back that he said him and his family used to play in and whatnot. But yeah, it was a real cool experience. His daughter was all his daughter was all around the house. Man, she was rambunctious, but it was awesome. Just cool to see. He really is like a big family man into his family. He takes it serious. Like I don't know if you know, he he made a bet um with his wife of like um if I get signed or something like that, then we can move back because he wanted to move back to Montreal. And it was like, if I end up signing with Raw in a certain period of time, then we can move back to Montreal. And sure enough signed this deal. So I think he actually lives in Canada. I'm not too sure. They still might have a place in Florida as well, but yeah. So it was interesting though. It was a good time. And I was actually like a really big home video that they had did in, in the last few years. Now, now WWE is, you know, a king of home video, right? You know, since yeah. the eighties, I mean, they're kind of a pioneers of it, yes, right? So, I mean, definitely. The, the amount of material that they have from their own library and all the libraries, how do you, like, what's the process? Like, how do you comb through all this stuff? Like, how is it all digital? Like, how do you get these elements? Because it's, 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 it's insane archive, right? So the archive, the library alone is like, I don't know, it could probably weigh a ton if you, if you add it all up. Because, I mean, you're not only talking about their library, but you're talking about ECW's library. You're talking about WCW's library. You're talking about potential future libraries that they're going to own, like Impact, what they might already have acquired previous stuff of you're talking about every not only every home video but every wrestling company that's not big wrestling companies right now everything from the past they pretty much got all of that they have stampede wrestling they have uh they have um northwest uh, just any of that stuff pretty much so the library's immaculate as full it's actually called i think if i'm not mistaken iron mountain was the people that they used to go through that have like all of their tapes and stuff. So when you go to the back of the Stanford building, the Stanford, um, not the headquarters that you see right off the freeway, a mile off the freeway is where they do like their TV production. So like, that's where they run a lot of their live shows out of like, when, as far as like satellites and whatnot. So in the back of that building, they end up buying up some of the space back there. And you go back there and it's like hundreds and hundreds of boxes and boxes and boxes of tapes but that's the old way of how they did it right now they're currently using avid that's what they edited on that's the main editing process they use for all of their videos their movies tv anything they need to do is run through avid avid and i don't know if you guys know anything about avid but avid is like top tier editing service so what they do is everything that they've had from the start like the 70s the 60s the 50s literally everything up until today is 
inside of what would be called, I guess, interplay. So say I need footage from 1992, Ric Flair and Ric Flair in the Royal Rumble, right? Obviously, it's not just going to be on hand because it's way too much. So what you would do is, because it's Royal Rumble, they probably have that already like linked up and loaded. Just email the person, hey, I need this loaded up. This either you could do like the match set or you can do like the whole three hour file because it's usually three or four hours because they've always been that long. So you have that loaded up and then you just be able to pull literally whatever it is you want from said library. And then if you want something specific, you can like, Go to, it's this thing called Dixon Search. I don't know if they still use that now, but that's what they were using at the time. And all right, I want Stone Cold Stunner. I want Steve Austin's original, first Stone Cold Stunner of Vince McMahon. Or I want I want Stone Cold, uh, the something obscure. I want Stone Cold Stunner and Sid Vicious in WCW. Something random, something random that you know you're not going to be able to find, right? And no, they'll be able to, they'll have it right then and there. And all you got to do is type in the keyword and it'll bring up everything from that date. If you type in Stone Cold Stunner, it'll bring up every Stone Cold Stunner that he's ever had pretty much from that point. If you type in wins, it'll bring up every win. If you type in the most obscure wrestler that you could possibly think of, she's going to pop up. Like that girl, you think back to like ECW, I forget what her name was. You know, ECW, that was like doing like mature type stuff. But if you want to find that girl that was doing that mature scene from ECW, type in her name, the exact scene is going to pop up uncensored and everything on the screen. It was awesome. Even new stuff. Like, I want to see Kimona dancing on top that's of it. That's what it was. <laughs> Kimona dancing. That's just what I was trying to think of. You can find it. Easy. Easy. It takes two seconds. But then you don't want to be the weird guy in there looking up Kimona on your computer <laughs> just because you can. Like, it's there. Wow. Like, if you want to look up the 2003 Tori Wilson bikini match, oh, me, go right ahead. You can do it just because. Wow. <laughs> and not the watered-down network version. You're getting the uncut, <laughs> like – camera version it's, now, this, it's is fa- this is fascinating to me so a couple of things right yeah first of all are there any like rules like 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 i know like dr d david schultz i think he mentioned it that they can't use his footage or there's certain rules about jesse yes. ventura yes you know, yes, audio yes. And, and, so, and stuff like that like how do you is there a reference to what rules or, or music right if there's an old yeah. like music, hulk hogan had you know the rocky theme like you know how does all that come into play that was literally another that's literally my job right there so when you first get in like the first week they gave me like a packet a packet of do's and don'ts like okay we're no longer playing raven song so if you hear raven song flag it we are not trying to get sued by raven again or be in any type of legitimate stuff with raven oh jesse ventura we can only show his we can only we can only hear his voice we can't show his face stuff like that you know these guidelines of pretty much what to do and don't if you see a wwf sign let us know but it may be okay if it's before a certain period of time or if it's not being used for something promotional so it's like, if I'm showing you a WWF, it has to be authentic to like the, the period that you're showing it. It can't be something like, I'm going to show a WWF in a Roman Reigns package. It has to be, I'm showing, a, it's a WWF in like a Stone Cold Steve Austin documentary, where obviously it's going to be a bunch of WWFs, so there's no way to get around it. But once you start talking about the point that where they switched it over to WWE, then you can no longer say WWF. So it's very particular and meticulous. And a lot of the times that was the job. Like 
uh, the legacy library. That was, so I walked the home video and legacy as well. And, and legacy, our job was to put all of the old content on the network collections pretty much. So every month they got a collections and a lot of times it's like a list of old matches. So our job would be to go through those old matches, make sure the music they were using, we own, we either have to own it or replace it with music that we we see fit. So I'd go to my producer, my boss pretty much, either uh, Chris Lawler, uh, at the time it was a guy named Tavis, and then John Carlin. Lawler and Lawler and, uh, and John Carlin been there easily over 20 years, almost as long as I've been alive at this point. And what you would do is, is all right, we're gonna put this month of 30 ECW episodes. So outside of just making sure that it looks clean as far as there's no jump cuts or anything like that, nothing too old blatantly bad. Um, replacing the music was like the biggest thing. Rick Rue, Rick Rue was a big one. Again, Raven was a big one. Uh, making sure the music was at the correct year too, as well as the thing. Like if it's the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme too, you can't play theme one during those years. You only, it has to be his theme too. Or if it's the rock Hollywood theme, you have to play his Hollywood theme for that said time. So it gets, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then don't get me started on how much wrestling I watched alone. Because after it's all said and done, you have to rewatch it. So I know for a fact before leaving there, I probably watched at least 1,500 hours of wrestling. And half of that's old wrestling, half of that's new wrestling. When we do the DVDs, we got to QC the timeline. Then we have to QC the DVD. Then we got to, um, no, we QC the timeline. Then QC it before we send it to be a DVD. Then they send us the DVD to triple check it over to make sure there's nothing in it that we want to take out. But by the time it's on like a disc and they give it to us, that's pretty much the final copy. So if at that point we miss something, then it's a big issue and it costs some money. But for the most part, you don't miss much. And if you do, it's not your fault because at that point, you ain't the only person that looked at it. You missed it. The producer missed it. And whomever else was editing it missed it. So it's not like too big of a deal, hopefully. But yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And they really do spend a lot of time making sure that the right song is in it that is being played or that you're getting the right product. Like another thing, and I I know I might be rambling, but another thing, so like a big thing was um John Cena. I don't know if y'all know, everybody knows that John Cena talks during his matches. Like, hey, I'm about, I'm about to do this move on you. And he says it so loud, right? That the crowd can hear it. Everybody, if you're in the front office, you can hear it, especially if you, we're the people editing. So, like, when he was still in, because, you know, he was in and out but by the time that I was working there. But, like, you, his match with Kevin Owens, he literally called out every move that he was going to do. So, you'd have to, like, turn him down just to make sure, like, all right, John, we don't. You, you, give, it, you give it too much away, John. You give it too much away. We gotta make Power sure. slam. Power yeah. slam. Yeah, like, <laughs> I swear. So, taking that out was a big thing. But, and, but what's interesting about that and him and a lot of the new wrestlers is that all these young guys nowadays, they don't have to do that. They're not out there. I mean, I don't know. I don't, not, they're not doing it to the fullest extent. Like, they're so professional and they're so good at what they do that I can't think of anybody outside of John Cena at that moment that was really doing that. Everybody else, you didn't hear nothing. And, but I honestly think that that's also an error thing as well, you know, because if you watch some of the older era stuff, then it was easier to see and hear stuff like that. Like, it's a lot easier to see bad matches in 2002 than it is today, regardless of whether you like the wrestlers or not. 
the wrestlers today are so much more professional and athletic compared to the one not and I don't mean like professional or anything like that I just mean to the point that their athleticism just puts them I don't know I feel like miles ahead of the guys from back in the day well listen to you talk right now I can tell you're still energetic you didn't start working there and all of a sudden you weren't a fan of the business anymore you're still energetic just talking about it but with that being said I actually got two questions, and they both kind of different, so I'm going to ask both of them at the same time. Okay. Number one, you talked about the documentaries that you worked on, like the Kevin Owens. Yeah. How did it feel when it was finished, it was ready, and you knew it was a success, knowing that you had something to do with that? And number two, we've had Jimmy Noonan on the show. He used to be director of security back in the day for WWF slash WWE. And he was talking about, and you touched on it a little bit already, how serious the job is. You know, because from the outside, we think it's all fun and games. If you a kid that's watching wrestling at 12, I'm like, I don't want to do that. They don't understand how intense it is. You mm-hmm. kind of verbalize it a little bit, but kind of expound a little bit more on, like, listen, it is a job. too. So it's fun, but it's a job. So, one, how did you feel about your products actually being presented? And two, about how serious the job is. Well, it's funny It's funny about the products, right? So one of the reasons that I left WWE is because I want to make movies one day. Like, I want to work in the film industry. I want to work in television, narrative television. Because when you really think about it, when I worked for WWE, I worked for television, live programming, a, a consistent, consecutive show. And... When you work in the departments that I worked in, I worked in documentaries, I worked in movies, and compilation type of style movies. And it's like, technically I did work in, not the industry, but in that field of, I'm actually making a documentary, and in which, it's like a bi- it's like a biography, not even documentary, biographies at that point, right? And I loved it. It was nothing more I loved than seeing the reception of, Kevin Owens, how well it was received, or even some of the ones that wasn't biographies, like when we did Kurt Angle, and he's just talking about matches he's done, he's done, and then they played a match, like the fact that people love that so much, or Diamond Dallas Page, that was another good one, his was really good, and just the reception alone is great, because you built this product, like people who watch wrestling, wrestling isn't just wrestlers, you know, it's everything else that goes into it, it's the merchandise, it's the, the meet and greets, it's the belts, it's the video games, it's the movies. So being a part of that was, it was honestly a blessing. And I'm happy to be able to say that I worked within the company saying I did that. I love it. Now, the seriousness of it all is super serious. It's life or death. It's life or death in the ring. It's, it's do it right or be fired and I don't mean be I don't mean like that as far as do or die in the workplace like that but there isn't a lot of room for mistakes you know because mistakes cost money it's a million billion dollar company right every mistake you make could potentially lose them money and not only that the factor of like when you're working a show so at the end of the night when everybody's wrapping up everybody's leaving some of the wrestlers leave soon as they match is done like, if they ain't got no reason to stay there, I'm about to go shower. I'm bouncing. I'm either going home, going to a hotel, or going back to Florida go, so we can do NXT or SmackDown, right? So for the ones that end up having to stay until the end because they got a late match, like, when they're leaving, it's it's not so much of a hassle, but, like, 
it's hundreds and hundreds of fans literally waiting for you to just walk out of the arena. So like those, the security is plays an important part to maintaining everything because you got to think if there's hundreds of people outside waiting to get in, then somebody's tried to sneak in. Somebody's called in a threat before. Somebody's did all of these things to make the security and make the realness of everything a real thing. And even like working at the building, like they don't have security at um, either. Well, they got security at the main building. But they didn't have like security in the DVD building. And obviously I'm not worried about it. And nobody, nobody's going to come mess with the staff or anything like that. But it is something that you do think in the back of your mind that because of the company that you work for, something could potentially happen if there's like a crazed fan and or just the seriousness of everything because it's livelihood you're dealing with kids you're dealing with adults you're making people dreams making and breaking people dreams and it's like you gotta kind of gotta take that serious even when you're editing like you gotta edit the wwe product way because you want it to be presented a certain way so that you're not being showing it in a negative light or showing it in some new type of light that it confuses people or confuses fans so you got to know that you're working for like this machine and if something goes wrong in the machine and the machine breaks down now, now when you you were working did, did you work because we hear a lot about kevin dunn did you work underneath kevin dunn uh for some of that production time and then also like who are some of the other producers i know we've had you know you know paul ham we've got up you know we've got um oh my goodness uh drawing a blank here but i mean tons of different uh producers and things like who what producers were you working with Okay, so Kevin Dunn sits in the truck all day, every day. He doesn't work at the TV studios or nothing like that. And if it's an orange Porsche in the car at the studio, you know it's Kevin Dunn there, but he's probably running in and out to grab something. Other than that, he's in the truck. And Kevin Dunn's not a scary dude, but Kevin Dunn's Kevin Dunn. I don't know. Uh, it's, um, it's interesting working under him, that's for sure, needless to say. And... Kevin Dunn. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 will, I, I, don't, I don't like know much about the guy or anything like that. Most of the time I'm running in and out of the truck. The one thing I know about Kevin Dunn is that when you want the headphones, because everybody's communicating when you're at the show, right? So everybody's on certain channels, you know? And so you hear a lot of what's going on. So Kevin Dunn, one, likes to have his Fox News on in the truck. That should tell you what kind of guy Kevin Dunn is. <laughs> He loves to have his Fox News on in the TV truck because you, along with the TV, if anytime you're in a TV truck, there's they got regular television on some of those TVs. So it's sports for Kevin Dunn and Fox News. And a few times, it was nothing to hear Kevin Day, Kevin Dunn supporting his homeboy Trump over the headset. It was actually pretty hilarious. Like he giving Trump shout outs all the time in that headset. So yeah, but that's not the kind of environment WWE, WWE is at all. That's just the kind of person Kevin Dunn is. Yeah, I don't want to think people to think, oh, well, WWE is big Trump. Like, I, I mean, maybe they are. We, who knows? But like Kevin Dunn is so he is. Everybody else is separated from that. But other producers, Karen Ben is a really great producer. He um he showed me a lot when I was there as far as like everything that they was doing behind the scenes and how they created it. Like he was so good that home video isn't isn't even so much a thing anymore. A lot of that is uh, originals now. So like they have a department for original content. And all the documentaries now go through original content. And because he was so good at making the documentaries and making the biographies there, that they pushed him over the original content. So he could help a lot with these documents, like the Undertaker one that everybody just showed. So he could help a lot with those, the 24s and everything. It's um him, I forget 
um, a few of the other guys' names, but he was the main one. It's only a handful of them. Each department isn't big. A lot of the departments are uh, a handful of five or a handful of 10. Even my home video department, it was only about 10 of us, if that, you know? So that's the same thing for the originals. There's probably more in the originals because it take a lot more to do that kind of stuff because they could be working a show and at somebody's house all at the same time, you know? Because if you're doing a biography, I need to, sh I need to show you wrestling and then I need to go to your parents' house, you know? And but because they have such big schedules, a lot of times it could be hard. So in originals, the department's a little bit bigger so they can spread people out. But yeah, you see a lot of them around. It's, it's definitely one two, 3,000 people working in that company to make it run properly. And when we talk about producers, there's one head of all production, right? So did you have uh, any interactions with the big guy, right? Uh, so when you, Vince, Vince is the big guy, right? So Yeah, that's the big guy. <laughs> all right, Vince, he works, he works a lot in the main office, which is, again, separate from the office that I worked in, the TV studio and the DVD building. So he works there, but because he is the head of everything, he's everywhere all at once. You know, he's doing business meetings, he's flying out. So you don't really see him like that unless you're a writer or one of the big, big wigs, you know. But you do see him at some of the shows, especially early on. Like, around the time that I started working for the company, I feel like is when he started kind of, like, not going to the shows as much but around probably like the first few times that i went you would always see him he like he walked like that in real life like he comes walking in the stadium like just strutting himself like this 70 70 year old man got it swagged out all the way he's saying hi to people he's cordial you know here look your way way the i remember the first time that i really had an interaction with him he he goes to the gym wwe the headquarters has like a wrestling gym inside of it on like the third or fourth floor and every Saturday or Sunday he's there at like clockwork at like eight or nine in the morning with his trainer Mike. Mike's a real cool dude too. Mike's always there willing to help people train and whatnot. So the same guy to train is Vince McMahon. If you're an employee at WWE you can go get that same type of training and the facility is small but it's good enough to get the job done and yeah just said hey how you doing Vince you know introduce myself and all of that. I'm, it's not that many black people there, so he know my face. Like at that point when he see me, because it's like, oh wait, this is it's that guy. All right, and I had locks in my hair too. And ain't nobody got locks but Kofi. So I know you remember me. <laughs> but yeah, it was small interactions. It's actually, it's not, it's not intimidating. Whatever's the word under intimidating, that's the word I'd use to describe it. Cause it's like, all right, is you a 70 year old man, you oh, I'm not gonna be nervous of you or anything like that. But you a 70 year old man who's walking around like this. You're the boss of a company, the CEO of a, a major company, a gazillionaire. You could literally have me killed and nobody would even think about it. So that aspect of it is like eh, a little bit scary. The scariest person is Brock Lesnar. He's the scariest person. Like Brock Lesnar walks around backstage in cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, a big Texas, whatever's, no, he's not even from Texas. He just dressed like that. A big country belt buckle with a plaid shirt, and he still looked like he about to eat your head off. Like, for whatever reason, it, he's just a scary dude. And then, like, it's interesting. It's a big shock when you meet some of the wrestlers. Like, Randy Orton, Randy Orton looks like a regular-sized wrestler on TV. He's big because he's a wrestler, right? No, Randy Orton's, like, six foot seven, all muscle, tall 
Like he's huge and towers over a lot of the other wrestlers. But in first hindsight, you wouldn't think nothing of it. Like Deontay's Wilder, we all know he's a big guy. He's six six. Randy Orton's like the same height, but you don't think of Randy Orton as some big massive guy. Is how I'm trying to explain it. Of like he's taller than Randy Orton's taller than Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar's like six four, six three. You know, but Randy Orton sits over him. So when you meet guys like that, it's it's definitely interesting. Well, since you're talking about uh, backstage, I'm going to talk about something that I talked about once or twice. Would you tell my partner, Daryl, and the fans how good catering is? Ooh, I'm a picky eater, so you can't go Uh wrong. (laughs) Nah, catering. Bro, they have everything back there. I ain't going to lie, though. I ain't going to lie. They hook it up. So it's like they always got your – it's obviously, you know, protein, salads, pastas, all of that kind of stuff. But it's like set days, you got certain stuff. Set cities, you got certain stuff. Like if you go to Boston, you're going to get crab. They're going to have crab in catering. And it's going to be the good crab. So actually, yeah, now nah, I can't lie. It's sometimes they threw down. Depending on the city you in, sometimes you could get like their special food. So you'd be going out getting like ribs and whatnot just because it's a southern city or fish or whatever and then if you don't want food at all you, they got a dessert table they got a snack table all the juices all the pops water and it's an all-day thing and then at the end of the night once it's all said and done you could take you a little to-go plate a little something something if you want to oh, back oh, to the hotel room i'm glad you said that see yeah. i always thought that that was the reason they never brought me back to be an extra because they did a show in Detroit and I'm from the D. I'm yeah. calling my mama in the back like, you don't understand much food. I take like three plates to the crib. I thought yeah. that was what you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, they noticed. They definitely noticed when people... They did, they, if an extra back there taking food, they're, they're looking like... Because it's, it's noticeable because it's like, we know you the extra because you got like all black on. You was dressed with, you was hanging with all the extras all day. Right. But then they didn't, they don't care. I don't think they care. They encouraged them to take food because the food go to waste anyway. I don't know, man. When I walked past Mark Carano, he was looking kind of funny at me, dog. Yeah. <laughs> but check me out. Speaking of talking to moms, like I said, I see your Facebook. And I know you and your mom are really close, man. Yeah. How does she handle you getting signed to do a job with WWE? Even though you're going to be production, was she still like, Oh my God, them wrestlers, I don't know. Or was she just all in, happy for you? How did it go, man? She's all in because at the end of the day, we from you from Detroit, I'm from Detroit. Daryl, where are you from? I'm from Detroit. My Detroit brother. All right, so we all from Detroit. So I'm sure we all can share the same sentiments of Detroit's a very dangerous place. And to be a parent in Detroit is to have your guard up, to always be nervous every time your kid is wandering around in Detroit. So as long as I wasn't in Detroit, my mom was the happiest person alive, no matter what job I was working. As long as you ain't in Detroit putting yourself in danger, she was a happy camper. So she was excited. And she know I like wrestling. So she's like, all right, cool. You get to work in production. You get to do something you've always wanted. You get to be in a place that a lot of other people want to be. And you get to meet wrestlers at the same time. Like I remember the first time I met John Cena and it was real. It was, I loved it. I loved it, right? So when you first start there, they want you to go to the shows. They want you to see how everything is done backstage. They want you to know how the company is ran because at some point your department is going to have to work with somebody at the show, right? So they take everybody to Mohegan Sun. The Mohegan Sun is a casino up in Connecticut, uh, probably about 50 or so miles outside of Stanford, right? We drive up there. We backstage. We're in Gorilla. You know, Gorilla's the, 
the gorilla is where you all the wrestlers and everybody go before they walk out of the entrance. So if you got the entrance with all the lights and everything, right behind them curtains is Gorilla, where Vince McMahon sits. Uh, not Michael Cole. Um, who's who's that guy? X Pac. That's his name. No, not X Pac. Billy Kidman. Cause yeah, Billy Kidman. Uh, Bruce Pritchard probably. Bruce Pritchard. No, he he actually he actually wasn't there at the time. Okay, um, yeah, he wasn't back. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't there at the time, but it was. I'm trying to think of his name. Not Arn, not Arn Anderson, the referee, Scott Anderson. Scott Anderson is back there. Uh, can't think of the other guys' names right now. What is it Armstrong's? Uh, um, like, uh, yeah, sc- yeah, Jesse James? Uh, Jesse James, Jesse James. Oh, I'm drawing such a blank right now, and I know it off the top of my head every time. Like, Dean Malenko's backstage sometime, Devon Dudley's backstage sometime, helping out with a. Uh, Producing and whatnot, helping on the thing. It's a main guy that I cannot think of, though. All right, that's neither here nor there. So, backstage at Gorilla with the other PAs, John Cena walks in. Obviously, it's John Cena. All of us would love to say hello to John Cena. John Cena's a hell of a guy, too. He's he's going to say what up, meet you, and everything. So, shaking everybody's hand, going down the line. It's about five of us. Hey, how you doing? Then he says to the other PA, Hey, how you doing? Mind you, the Detroit. I'm not. I'm not that black guy who sugarcoated my blackness. I'll tell you that right now. I'm. A, I'm this black everywhere I go all the time, and I love it. This. This is who I am. So when he finally gets to me, all right, John Cena, you playing this black dude on TV, this black persona. I'm about to check and see how black you really is, right? He puts his hand out like this. What's up, John? What's What's good? Give me that black man handshake. And he paused for a second. He's like, oh, okay, what's good? Gave me the death and everything. And then he goes back to, hey, how you doing to the other guys? It's like the, it's like the Key and Peele Obama skit when he's just, hey, how you doing? And then, what's up, my brother? Like, that's when me and John Cena had that moment. And he smiled and everything. Like, he, he was like, all right, this kid kind of cool. Like, yo, yeah. Yo. Good times, good times for sure. I love it. And the question I always ask, and I'll ask you now since you brought it up, like some of the mark out moments. Like you're working here, you know, you're doing your job, but you know, like you said, John Cena just walked by. Like, who are some guys, you know, that yeah. during your tenure here that you just get, oh my god, because you're a wrestling fan. So when mm-hmm. you walk in there and somebody walks, like, oh my God, who mm-hmm. did you mark out for the biggest? Like, I'm I can't believe I'm I'm next to this guy. Who did I mark out for? Mm-hmm. I mean, Vince, when you really see Vince backstage, I kind of, just just a little bit for Vince. Uh, it was cool seeing any of the legends backstage. Like, Road Dog was the guy I was trying to think of in Gorilla. Road Dog, yep. Road Dog. Road Dog's always there. He was get a pop seeing him. X-Pac, he come to some of the shows. Celebrities. I pop for celebrities because there's always a celebrity in the show based on the city that they're in or on their promoting stuff. So like Rick, I, we was at LA. Rick Rubin was at the show. Um, who else was there? Uh, the, the 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 guy from the Punisher was at the show. Like the the Punish, the guy that plays the Punisher from. Oh, Barenthal, uh, the guy yeah. from Walking Dead. Yeah. Yep, yep. He was there. Um, ooh, Tom Savino was there. The the makeup artist. Yep. He was there because I think that year he had did somebody's mask. Bray uh, Wyatt or. No, not very well. Uh, the short guy, the 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 small guy, I can't think of his name. Kalisto, 
Okay. I think it was Kale- yeah, he did Kalisto match that year. And it was a few people. I'm not a big Mark Mark kind of guy. Like, I try to keep my cool. But I remember Big Show, you don't see Big Show much. It was cool seeing Big Show backstage puffing on the – um. he liked them um, – was he's e-cigarettes. Yeah, he puff a big old cloud of smoke because he got them big-ass lungs. <laughs> Just smoke, smoke for days. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but, yeah, anytime you see any of the old legends, was a, it was really interesting. The women – I popped for the women because on TV, they look really big. I'm short. I'm 5'5". Five five. So people look, everybody looks big to me on TV. I don't care who you are. You just look big. You look tall. I think you're tall until I meet you, right? It's all of them are short. Everybody's like this. Like Alexa Bliss is like this tall. Like she's tiny. Sasha Banks, me and Sasha Banks are like the same height. Bailey's like the same height. Natalia's the same height. Uh, who else? I think he's smiling over there. Hey, what's up, dog? He's smiling. I'm smiling because I met AJ Lee before because, like I said, I had a trial years ago. Like you said, I don't know if AJ was still there when you were there, but AJ was cute little thing, but she was tiny. Yeah. Oh, man. It's awesome, though. Seeing them all is cool. Yeah. Um, Pop, though, I didn't go too crazy because you can't. You work in there. You know, you don't want to. You don't want to be that guy who's like Google and Gaga over everybody. You know, so you kind of just like sit back, keep it cool. Like, all right, I, it was fun. Me and Kevin Owens and seeing his family and all that stuff too. Same thing, because I was a big fan of those guys when they came up from NXT because they was doing so much on the independence and just their run. Like when Sami Zayn was El Generico and then their big final fight before they both came to NXT. And at the time I was really into all of that. So it was real cool being able to work with them and meet those guys as well. Well, Quincy, man, we've been having a great time. We ain't gonna hold you up all night. I know you got a girl and a baby to get to. But we do got a couple more things we wanna touch base on. Okay. You worked there for you worked there for a couple of years. Yeah. Did you ever say Hey guys, um, I'm an athletic guy. If you want to bump me, if you want me to, to try to get your shine a little bit, or do you are totally content being behind the scenes? Man, so like they have a warehouse in Norwalk, right? The warehouse is like the WWE Museum. When I say the WWE Museum, I mean, don't you know the big WCW letters from the actor WCW stage is at the warehouse. Is literally there just sitting around. Don't you know the throne Triple H came in at WrestleMania a few years back? Oh, that's there too. Oh, when they did the Terminator thing? Oh, all that's there. Oh, when uh Brock Lesnar smashed up the I forget what car it was. I think it was like a Ford Taurus. He smashed it up with like a axe a few years back when it was the Seth Rollins thing. That's there, smashed up anything you could think of that they've had in that past is there. Also, a ring that they have is there. Anytime we go there, I'm always like, hey, can somebody slam me? Somebody clothesline me? Can somebody do something? Like, I want to take this bump. They ain't going to let you do it, but i love to. The closest we got to taking bumps as employees is walking up the hallway, and somebody's like, ah! and then you just got to fall to the ground, play it off. Like, everybody's in on it, too. It was actually interesting. Daryl, do you got anything else for this young man when we get out of here? Man, uh, this has been a great interview, man. No, no exciting stuff. Uh, I, 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 you know, one that popped in my head that I can't get out, and we were talking about the music. Hillbilly mm-hmm. Jim. 
why do they not have Hillbilly Jump music? I mean, I know there's some songs that are out there that they can use. What's yeah. up with Hillbilly Jump music, man? So it's crazy. And it's, it, it sucks because a lot of the music they really did own, but somebody, WWE in 2005 isn't WWE in 1995. So like the same company, but with a lot more wherewithal as far as things they know and how to operate. So the, they didn't know that they needed to own copyrights and all of that kind of stuff to people's music at the time. So things end up lapsing over, or it's like if they did know certain people, it got swept under the rung because they didn't care as much or because this character wasn't like to them, a hillbilly gym may not be as big as somebody else. So why am I paying X amount of money for his music, you know? So they look at it like that, I think. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too sure about the whole logistics around, logistics around it, but it's something along the lines of that where, you know, you can't have everybody's and then some people just get swept under the rug and then they end up having to change. But they own a lot of them. Like, they got a database of that too. Like, oh, you go to this, you type this person's name and you see if their music is good or if their music is bad. Like, it's a database for that as well too. Dope, dope. Well, Quincy, man, thank you for coming to the show. Like I said, we want to bring in the other side of the business that people don't know about. <laughs> so I hope That's you funny. had a good time. And first of all, before you go, I want to say a shout out to my homeboy V. I ain't gonna say his name because I know, yeah, I get it. But shout uh, out to him too. He know what he is. He know what it yeah. is. But, um, oh yeah. <laughs> but before we get out of here, we have a segment. It's called Ring the Bell. What you do on Ring the Bell, we give you 60 seconds to talk about anything. You can talk about what you got coming up. You can tell people how to follow you on pages. You can just say inspirational quotes, whatever you want to do. So, Quincy Tucker, you got 60 seconds. I'm going to need you to ring the bell. Ding, 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 ding. All right, so for my 60 seconds, um, I'm not a big promotional guy, so I guess I'll say my Instagram handle. Follow me at Quincy Richard, Q-U-I-N-C-Y-R-A-S-H-A-R-D, Quincy Richard. But outside of that, um, if anybody is at home going crazy right now through this quarantine and COVID, make sure you get out the house. If you get out the house, as long as you're safe, it's okay. Go outside, enjoy the park, call your friend, call a family member. Enjoy yourself. Don't be stuck at the house going crazy. When all you got to do is just walk 10 feet up the block, get some sunshine, and you'll be a happy person. I mean, until then, hey, it was nice seeing you all, and I can't wait to come back. Man, that's what's up, man. You had a great... So, uh, by the way, before you go, I know you said yeah. you out there, you out there in L.A. Is there any secrets about what you got coming up in the production world, or you want to hold on to that till later on? Uh, I wish I had some secrets, man. COVID and quarantine messed everything up. I was supposed to be doing the, uh, some award shows back in March. Canceled all of that. Like, more TV shows. Nope, can't do nothing right now. So, fingers crossed that everything opened up soon in L.A. because we got some productions we need to run. I'm trying to work on somebody's movie set. Who knows? Right, right. No, well, don't say anybody's movie set because there might be some adult films that they're trying to get you to produce <laughs> out there. How much they paying? This how much they paying? <laughs> what scenes they need me to do? I'm I'm all for it. I'm with the <laughs> LBGs. Right, anything, anything. I want to say one thing because I mean, yeah. Quincy, you know, heck of an opportunity. I mean, any any company. That, I mean, think about it. You had the ability to work for the top company in the world, 
you know, we talk about concerts, we talk about live events, we talk about DVDs, all of that stuff, man. So people out there, I mean, you are a huge commodity to any company that you could, you know, come across with that kind of experience. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it comes, that's one of the best things about working at WWE. You learn so much and it trickles down to any job that you want to do in media production, you know? Like I was able to use that for getting jobs in LA, as a matter of fact. Like because I was doing tape PA stuff, I got to help out with like Total Divas and I got to help out with the Ms. and Mrs. Uh, reality show, just working at some of the shows. And um, it was in Ontario, California. And I just got to meet some of the people, some of their cameramen, because they use separate cameramen. I was just liaison it. And when I got their information, it was like, hey, you move out to California, let us know. So that alone, I got to thank WWE for because it was they're the reason that I'm out here able to do what I'm doing in production. Without them, who knows where I'd be. So I and love I, and it. I want to say this. I want to say this personally, man. Like I said, I might have stalked you on Facebook to find you, but it is what it is. But real talk, man, I'm proud of you. You came from the D. I always joke with people, but this is real talk. I grew up on Mac and B-Wick, so you know what it is. Joy Rob. You see what my I'm best. saying? You came <laughs> from the D, and I tell people myself, and not seeing a young brother like you, ain't nothing that isn't possible. Just work hard. You yeah. can be anywhere in the world. There is no stopping us. Factuals, man. And I want you to know, I say it again, I'm very proud of you, young man. Keep doing what you do, all right? Most definitely. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can all have a drink or something when everything's over with. Sounds good to me, Doc. Well, guys, we're going to get on out of this show. You know what it is. We had another great show, Daryl, man. Man, this has actually been one of my best my, my, my best shows that I've been on here. Man. I, like, I said it every week, but, man, I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that, this one was Thank good because this is a whole side that we never even thought that we, that we don't know about, that people don't <laughs> even know, man. So informative, man. But you know what it is, guys. Make sure you check us out on Instagram at the Whip Show Podcast, YouTube, The Whip Show Podcast, on Anchor or wherever you listen to your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, it's all. All you got to do is put in The Whip Show Podcast. So I am Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple. Devastating Daryl Pace. And we got the homie Quincy Tucker. We out of here, and we will see you next time on the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, a.k.a. The Whip show. See you later. Take care, y'all. Peace. I'm not stopping it if you want to do a shout, shout out. Yeah, I'm you want to do a, you want to do a quick drop for us, uh, Quincy? Oh, uh, I definitely want to shout out all the people at WWE. Uh, my homie, I, I ain't even, I, I guess I ain't gonna say, I can say names. I don't work there no more. Shout out to my homie, Tamario, the black guy that sits up at the front. Anytime y'all watch shows and y'all see that black guy sitting in between the announcers, that's Tamario. He's the man. Follow Tamario. Shout out to my homeboy, Evan. Shout out to Vic, because Vic cool. Shout out to Marcus. Shout out to John. Shout out to Lawler. Shout out to Karen, just because. Shout out to everybody over there working at the... Shout out Don't to Sasha Banks. Me. Shout out to V. Shout out to V, for sure. Shout out to Sasha Banks. Shout out to her husband, uh, Surat. You the, you the man. Can't wait to link up with you again, bro. And everybody that work out all them shows. Shout out to all y'all. I love y'all. If, if y'all watch. All right, man. We're going to get out of here. Thanks again, man. Take care. We'll chop it up with you. We're going to bring you back sometime, too, okay? Oh, I can't wait. I got most stuff for y'all. Like, I got a bucket of information. Bet it up. Bet it up. All right, dog. We appreciate Definitely. it, man. For sure.
Peace. Do I wait? Do I just exit out or? Yeah, just exit out. Yep. All right. Bet. Peace. <laughs> Stop.